0: Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. It is hump day. Thank you so much for being with me today. This is your go to for Hot Liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Check me out on social media: Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore, and on Twitter and True Social at Monica Crowley. You can also shoot me an email about this show. Let me know what's on your mind. Monica Crowley Podcast at Gmail dot com, Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. I read them all. I see them all, and I could read yours. On the show. So I can't read yours if you don't send me one. So send me an email. All right, you guys, on Friday, I want to tell you we've got a big show coming up. Actually, a series of really big shows uh, coming up. But on Friday, we're going to talk to the nation's most accurate pollster, Robert Kalehi of the Trafalgar Group, about certain Senate and gubernatorial races. Those numbers are are really, really good, um, a lot better than what the media wants you to believe that they are. So he's going to be here on Friday to walk us through Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and some other races. So have faith. We're going to have him here to walk us through where we are in the midterms, at least in some of those critical races, okay? Today, I want to deal with some more dangerous moments that are hitting us now on a daily basis, really. And I really want to take apart uh, really what we're facing here because it's not about Donald Trump or Joe Biden, it's about us. So we're going to talk about that. Also today, we're going to talk with the legendary Kathy Lee Gifford. I'm so blessed to call Kathy Lee a good friend and she is going to join us here about her new film called The Way which opens tomorrow. It is so beautiful. And she's also going to be here to talk about the accompanying book to the film called The God of the Way. And I also want to talk to her about her lifelong journey of faith because she is such an inspiration. She's such a faith-filled person. I follow her on Twitter. Her Twitter feed is full of scripture and inspiring interpretations of scripture. She's just an extraordinary person. And like I said, I'm blessed to have her as my friend. And she's going to join us here in just a couple of minutes and your emails. First up, though, the Monica Memo. So I'm going to sleep last night, and I I was hosting this morning on Breitbart News Daily. I was hosting on Series 6 and Patriot the entire morning show from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. So I knew that I needed to go to bed pretty early, but I always have a hard time falling asleep. Anyway, the sleep issue is a whole other ball of wax. And I, I was on Sean Hannity last night. By the time I came home and washed my face and did the whole nighttime routine, It was pretty late. It was like 11 o'clock and I crawled into bed and I knew I had to be up like around five and I'm scrolling through Twitter just to see, which I know you should not do. If you want to sleep, do not look at your phone at least an hour before you go to bed. I am the worst violator of this. It's my pet peeve. You want another thing for the complaint department? There it is. A complaint about myself. I scroll through Twitter and social media and look at the web on my phone before I go to sleep. It's very bad. You should not do this. Do not follow my example. But last night, I was, I was hyped up because I knew I had today's podcast and the three hours on SiriusXM, and I wanted to see whether there was any breaking news, which was my first mistake, because of course there was breaking news, and of course it had to do with Donald Trump. So I, I see, all of a sudden, I see this photograph of what looks like files on a hideous carpet. Okay, <laughs> that's the, the first mistake of the DOJ and FBI. Forget all the corruption. What are they doing with these really bad, ugly carpets? That's another conversation for another day. Anyway, I see this picture on social media of what looks like files and a box uh, just sort of strewn on a carpet. And I'm like, what's this? So I take a look, and there it is, leaked to the press, a photo taken by the DOJ and or FBI, all basically one and the same, of files that they apparently took from Mar-a-Lago, from Donald Trump. So the photo is like I said. Uh, folders that have classification markings on them: top secret, CSI, which is secure compartmentalized information. Uh, That's usually top secret, a couple of top secret files, some confidential. There are different rankings of confidentiality when you're in the government. I went through the whole training session when I went into treasury. It's a whole thing, right? And yes, the government does tend to over classify stuff and like you, you sneeze and your Kleenex is classified. (laughs) right? I mean, it's not quite that bad, but pretty much that's the way it is. So they put out this picture. And I mean, it's a crazy ass picture because it's these folders. You can't see the documents, but you can see the classifications on the outside of the folders. But the folders are like just thrown about on the floor. And then they took a picture and they put it on social media. So apparently these documents are so secret. They're so classified. It's the nuclear codes, you guys, that the DOJ just threw them across the floor, took a photo, and posted it on Twitter. Of course, leaked it to the press and posted it on Twitter. So obviously, we're in a different situation than we were yesterday in terms of this whole case But this is how dumb and manipulatable the regime thinks you are. They think that you're just going to buy this photo of strewn about uh, files from Donald Trump and be outraged. Look, I don't know what Trump was doing with these files. Uh, What I do know is that all of them were under lock and key. They were in a secure place at Mar-a-Lago. The FBI and DOJ, when they had been there previously, had asked them to further secure the materials. So Trump and his team did that. They put on extra locks. They made sure. And what everybody forgets is that Mar-a-Lago is under 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week security by the Secret Service. The Secret Service is on site with him At Mar-a-Lago, whether he's in residence or not, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I've been to Mar-a-Lago many times. It's a gorgeous property. There is Secret Service. You cannot just roam down the driveway. You can't just pull up a boat. You can't just walk onto the property. The Secret Service will stop you by force if necessary. So what are we talking about here? It's not like Donald Trump is roaming around selling state secrets to the Chinese. Oh, that's Joe Biden. Sorry about that. That's Joe Biden. Secret Service has protecting all of this. It's, it's totally secured material. But of course, they're going to try to make a case out of this. Of course, this is what they do. They create the pretext for the indictment. Then they go to their cutouts in the media and leak it to the same reporters, their cutouts, their reliable wingmen. And then they get the New York Times to write an editorial about how an indictment is absolutely necessary. And then they turn around and they're going to bring the indictment. Oh, Monica, they would never do that because it'll tear the country apart. Nonsense. Tearing the country apart is in their job description. This is what communists do. This is what the Democrat communists are doing. They are tearing the country apart on purpose, whether it's the border, spiking crime, cities in collapse, doesn't matter. This is all of a piece. It's all by design. Of course, they want Donald Trump in prison and they're going to stop at nothing. In fact, I think I was the very first person to say this. This was March of 2017. I went on with Sean Hannity. Trump had been president for two months and already the, the tornadoes were everywhere And I remember saying to him live on Fox News, they're not going to stop until Donald Trump is in prison. I remember Hannity kind of looking at me like blinking, what? (laughs) And I said, they want the man in prison because that's the only way they can stop this existential threat to their power and their absolute grip over the country. Donald th- Trump is a threat to all of that. They need to stop him. And they have tried. Since June of 2015, they spied on his campaign. Russia hoax, two fakes in- fake impeachments, January 6th. Now this. They're constantly creating pretext to go after and stop the man. Now, Donald Trump certainly gives them a lot to work with, which is a source of incredible frustration for me. I love Donald Trump. I am honored to have served in his administration. I love Donald Trump. He has performed and continues to perform a tremendous service in this country by exposing the depths of corruption and the rot in all of our institutions, including the media. But why he continues to give his enemies the sword, I don't know. Maybe it's a psychological thing with him. I know he loves living on the edge, but the country's at stake here. The country is is at stake. And this is a defining moment. So I don't know. I mean, there are, there are a lot of outstanding questions here about uh, the documents in question, about the classification process, about the uh, Fourth Amendment violations against him with a general warrant, illegal search and seizure. There are a lot of constitutional legal questions that need to be sorted out in all of this. But let's take a step back and understand what we're really dealing with here. And let me just, by way of framing this, let's go to Donald Trump himself, because he posted on True Social earlier today, terrible the way the FBI during the raid of Mar-a-Lago threw documents haphazardly all over the floor. Oh, so I guess this is a, a photo. This is the first I'm realizing this. This is a photo of when they were raiding. Not, not yesterday or today at the FBI. Okay, so let's start again. Donald Trump on True Social, terrible the way the FBI during the raid at Mar-a-Lago threw documents haphazardly all over the floor, perhaps pretending it was me that did it, and then started taking pictures of them for the public to see. Thought they wanted them kept secret. Lucky I declassified. So classic Donald Trump response, he's not taking this sitting down. This is uh, going to be an epic fight. But whether or not they actually put him in prison, what they do want to do, uh, least of all, is tie him up legally so he can't really run for president. He's spending all of his time trying to stay out of prison. That's going to be their their whole ball game, right, is to try to tie him up. Are they going to indict him? I have no doubt. When are they going to do it? I don't know. I don't know, Merrick Garland might sit back, catch his breath, and see how the midterms are playing out. If they want to arrest and indict him in October as part of an October surprise, I wouldn't be surprised about that at all. You know, perp walk the guy, I could see it. Hell, Monica, destroying the country, yeah, once again, destroying the country is in their job description. This is what they do. And again, this is not about Donald Trump. Okay, yes, it's about him because he's the the actual and symbolic leader of the America First movement, but it's not about him. What's happening to him is a shot across the bow to all of us, to the America First movement. It's about destroying that movement to keep their absolute grip on power. So anybody who sticks their head up too far like a tall sunflower, oh, the message is if we can do this to Trump, we can do it to you. And now we're going to have eighty-seven thousand new armed IRS agents to knock on your door in the middle of the night. Um, this is a messaging event. I don't know what they're going to do with Trump. I have no doubt that they're going to indict him. Again, at when I don't know, but they're going to bring the case in Washington D.C. They're going to present it to a rigged D.C. jury, and they're going to they're going to uh, indict him and uh, and convict. I guarantee it. Steve Bannon was the test case of all of this. Remember earlier this summer, they indicted Steve Bannon. They brought him in front of a rigged D.C. jury. Washington, D.C. votes like 98% of the time for Democrats, so forget it. And they convicted Steve Bannon. He's appealing, and Trump will appeal as well. But this is the path that it's going to take. And again, it's about tying him up legally, so that he doesn't have the time, resources, or focus to run for president. Now, knowing Trump, it's not going to stop him. The only two restrictions in the Constitution for anybody who wants to run for president are you've got to be born in the USA, and two, you've got to be over 35 years old. That's it. We've had members of Congress run for Congress from jail cells, I'm not saying that's going to happen to Trump, but according to the Constitution, those are the only two qualifications required to run for president and be president. So he meets those two. So my sense is no matter what they do, he's going to plow ahead. And anybody who thinks otherwise hasn't met Donald Trump. Now, on the subject of the depth of corruption... Washington Times has an outstanding piece today about 20 whistleblowers from the FBI coming forward. Remember, we kept saying, where are the, the honest people in the FBI? Why are we only seeing and hearing from the corrupt ones? Well, they're not all corrupt. Um, look, I think the whole institution is irredeemable and needs to be raised to the ground. But we do have 20 whistleblowers coming forward, claiming now that Christopher Wray has lost control over the Bureau. Well, a day and that he's engaged in political bias and malfeasance, dereliction of duty, and the rest. All, I think, true. The, earlier this week, they escorted one corrupt FBI agent, this guy, Timothy Tebolt, not Tim, Tim Tebow, who's an extraordinary man, a beautiful Christian, and uh, incredibly talented. Not him. We love Tim Tebow. This is Tim Tebolt, or however you pronounce it, But they escorted him from FBI HQ this week. Now, do they think that by escorting one corrupt FBI agent out of the building that it's going to fix the problem? I don't think so. They've got another thing coming here. Also, Merrick Garland yesterday put out two directives to the DOJ. Number one, nobody can attend any political rallies. Oh, he thinks that's going to clean up the political mess? The corruption? I don't think so. And secondly, he put out a department-wide memo instructing everybody that they are not to communicate with Congress. Notice it doesn't say you can't communicate with the press. That's against the law, so I guess he feels like he doesn't need to say it. But they're leaking like crazy, including him probably, to the press, to the New York Times, Washington Post. But they've been directed now. Nobody can communicate with Congress. This is about trying to crush whistleblowers. Whistleblowers have really, really powerful legal protections. If you're working in the government, and I was, I, I was trained on this when I went into Treasury as well, that if you see malfeasance, if you see corruption, if you see bias, if you see crimes, you can come forward and be protected under the law. And here's the attorney general coming out saying, don't talk to Congress. Well, Congress is the legitimate and and logical place to go if you're a whistleblower, right? Raising concerns about crimes and bias and unethical, illegal behavior that you're seeing. Of course, you go to Congress. Garland is saying, nope, can't do that. So this is about crushing whistleblowers, period. This is all coming to a boil. And, you know, of course, we're heading into a major election where it looks like the Democrats are really down and they could lose control of one, if not both, houses of Congress. Again, we're going to talk to a big pollster on Friday about where we are in all of this. But they are increasingly desperate. And when you're increasingly desperate, but you still control the levers of power, man, is that a dangerous combination, Again, this is not about Trump. It is about Trump because he's got to fend all of this off and he is a symbolic and and actual leader of the America First movement. But it's about more than that. It's about you and me. The fact that we are in the crosshairs. That's what this is about. And it's about silencing us, deplatforming us, discriminating against us. What do you think Joe Biden's whole uh, absurd disgusting, scary speech yesterday was. And by the way, tomorrow he's going to give a prime time address. So we will cover this on Friday extensively here on the Monica Crowley podcast. But it's all about laying the groundwork to term us domestic terrorists, extremists, enemies of the state. That's what Biden was talking about yesterday. That's what he's going to be talking about tomorrow night. It's not a coincidence. How did we go from, and if you heard him yesterday, he was talking about the F-15s, which is a fighter jet, about airstrikes against the American people, threats to the American uh, Republic here on the inside, here at home. How did we go from a guy sending out mean tweets, all of which were accurate, but how did we go from a guy sending out mean tweets to a guy who wants to take out his fellow Americans via airstrikes. That's where we are. You think I'm exaggerating? Absolutely not. The last couple of years have been insane. So all the stuff that we thought was unimaginable before is happening And Biden's speeches over the last couple of months, but certainly yesterday and the one he's going to give tomorrow, which we will cover here on Friday, it's all laying the rhetorical groundwork for him to call us domestic terrorists, extremists, in order to isolate us and eliminate us as a political force in the country. That's exactly what's going on here, guys. And this is a very, very dangerous moment. All hands on deck. All right, when we come back, we're going to switch gears completely because God knows we need him. We need God right now. If you're not right with God, get that way because times are going to get even rougher. It's going to get worse. And so now is the perfect time for a real conversation about faith. And there's nobody I want to talk to more right now than my good friend Kathy Lee Gifford about her own faith journey and about her new film called The Way, which is coming out tomorrow, and the book that goes along with it called The God of the Way. This is going to be an extraordinary conversation, guys, so buckle up. Do not miss a minute. Kathy Lee Gifford, next. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. I can't tell you how happy I am to have with me here today the iconic Kathy Lee Gifford. You all know her, of course, from her long tenure next to Regis Philbin on Live with Regis and Kathy Lee, and then, of course, hosting the fourth hour of the Today Show with Hoda Kotb. She is a television legend. She's also a woman of incredible faith, and she's got two big new projects out, an important book. Co written with Rabbi Jason Sobel, who is a super cool rabbi. And their new book is called <laughs> The God of the Way. And Kathy Lee has also directed a beautiful new film called The Way, which is being released in theaters tomorrow, September 1st. I am so honored to call her my good friend, and she joins me now. Hi, Kathy Lee.
1: Oh, hello, darling girl. Thank you so much. Iconic just means you've, you've outlived your critic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. You are a true American icon and, of course, a television legend. This long oh. career. And, and now you're doing all of this important work in the faith sphere. And that's why I want to talk to you about today. And first, I've got to say congratulations, because both the book The God of the Way and the film The Way, these are two masterpieces of faith, Kathy, and I want to get into oh. them um, with you about this and and let the broader audience know what they're all about. But before we do, let's talk about your personal journey of faith, because your devotion to God and to Jesus is so inspirational. How did you get here?
1: Well, um, everybody's journey is unique. And I think instead of trying to cookie cutter each other, we should rejoice with one another that our God is such an individual uh, he, he makes us custom-made, custom-made for his kingdom. And he goes to an awful lot of trouble to make us unique and um, our very own authentic selves in him. And it, it bothers me so much when the church or any other entity goes uh, uh, to, uh, tries to undo all the original work of Jehovah Elohim, which is God, uh, God the creator in Hebrew. And so I, as a little 12-year-old girl, um, just on the cusp of womanhood, wanting had my dreams of being an actress and a singer and a, and a and a songwriter and a storyteller and all those things. I happened to go to a movie put out by the Billy Graham uh, organization. The movie was called The Restless Ones. Happened to be about a little girl, a girl about fourteen or so, uh, who is uh, like so many young people uh, has a choice to make during after the puberty years. You know where you're gonna if you're gonna go the way of the world. And, uh, and and all that that entails or whether you're just going to actually believe that God has a plan for your life. And if you'll trust him, he'll make something beautiful out of it. And that's exactly what I felt. I heard Yeshua, Jesus, say to me in that darkened little theater in Annapolis, Maryland, which is, I think, so precious of the Lord that he would speak to me personally in a, in a movie theater. I, I, I'm not. I've never been a big church goer. I love the church, the body of Christ, but I'm I'm not big for all those meetings and things and, and pro- professional religion in a sense. You know, wonderful, wonderful people in churches. I'm not putting the people down. I'm just talking about the organization of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm I'm not into it. And uh, the first Christians did not have church that way. And I try to model, in every way I can, what Jesus did and what the first believers, who were all Jewish, did. And, um, you know, there's so much biblical illiteracy, Monica. That's what I spend my whole life on now is trying to pass on to people what I have learned from the great biblical scholars in the world that I've been privileged to go to Israel and study with uh, personally. And uh, you mentioned Rabbi Jason. Yes, he's the he's the Rappin Rabbi. (laughs) He's an amazing. We wrote an incredibly successful book, which shocked us both called The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi. And it's it's uh, it's been a phenomenon in the publishing world because I didn't think anybody was interested in going deeper into their faith. But once I started studying rabbinically in Israel with these kinds of teachers, it put a fire in my gut for the word of God again. I had become so lukewarm. You know, our ch- the church in the Western world um, does church very differently from the way it was intended to be by the, by our founders, like by Paul and, and the, and the early um, apostles. <clears throat> we've gotten away from it. And as a result, we paid a price and just like we paid a price in our whole culture. Every time we've gotten away from the constitution or we've gotten away from the Judeo Christian principles we were built on. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean there's not room for atheists in our country. Of course there is a room for everybody, but we were founded that way, no matter what the new, Um, uh, guidelines are on all of that. That's just, that's just bunk. Um, You can, uh, you can tell, you can lie about it all you want, but it's not going to change the truth. Anyway, (laughs) that's where I started. And, and um, I, uh, I was a Jewish girl from my father's side of the family and a little Gentile on my mother's side. And, and uh, we weren't religious people, but we, we, we believed in God almighty And it was only later uh, that I started studying, studying the Word of God, that I really got very serious about it. And in fact, I was kicked out of Sunday school. I was kicked out of the brownies when I was eight. I was kicked (laughs) out of Sunday school when I was about 12. I was kicked out of the America's Junior Miss pageant when I was 17. That is my life of crime that I'm proud of.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's journey is different, Kathy. (laughs) You know, I...
1: No no judgment. No, no,
0: absolutely not. You know what I love about uh, your story and the way that you're telling it in such an honest way is... Uh, The fact, you know, first of all, God knows what he's doing. He does have a plan for your life. And he blessed you with tremendous communications talents and a great sense of humor. And he gave you that platform on television for a long time and you still have it, but you had it for a very, very long time. And he gave you that platform for a reason. Because you were never afraid on television. I mean, there you were, you know, in the belly of of the mainstream media beast at NBC Uh and ABC, Disney for a long time. Um, and you were never afraid to talk openly about your faith, about Jesus, mm-hmm. about God, about prayer. And a lot of people looked to you, they 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 uh respected you, they loved you, they got up in the morning with you every day. And the fact that the Lord gave you that platform to testify mm-hmm. to him, and you never did it in an overbearing way, you did it in a really gentle way, but but in a in a way that really reinforced your belief. I think that brought so many people back. Back to God, I really do.
1: Well, I hear from them, Monica. Thank you for saying that. I hope so. You know, when I was first in um, in show business, and I went out to L.A. in the uh, mid mid seventies, left college because I was bored to death, and I didn't feel I felt like the Lord was leading me into a a world of service to Him in the kingdom, but in the entertainment world, in in show business. That's what I was born to do. And I got so much flack and criticism from the so-called Christians who said, what's a Christian girl like you doing there? If you're going to be a missionary, you go to Africa, you go to China. I said, where does it say that in the Bible? Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all people. Tell everybody that I love them. I said, "The, the, the devil doesn't own the airwaves. That's what Billy Graham always used to say. He'd come on TV and share the gospel. Millions of people came to know the Lord that way. My sister and my mother did. And then, he, and then he made a movie called The Restless Ones. I came to know the Lord by being in a movie theater. And we just put God in a box and say, the devil lives in the bass drum. It's just bull. Yeah. It's complete, total bull cocky. And, and, and <laughs> I, I just, I'm so sick of it because it's put people in chains uh, for years, for centuries, for millennia. And Jesus came to put on chains on himself so that we would never have to have chains. And it, it drives me crazy, the lies of this, of the evil one, to make people think, think that we have to think alike, worship alike, go to the right church, go to the dress. The, the right, you know, It's just, no, we are supposed to love mercy, love justice and walk humbly with our God. That's what we're supposed to do. Because in, live, in, in him we live and move and have our being. It doesn't say in him we go and visit once a week for about an hour and sing some songs.
0: Right. It it's it's say. about it's about a relationship with God. It's not. You know, yeah. I, I have a friend um, who I haven't seen in a while, but she was working at Fox News when I was there, Kathy, and she said, she said one time, and it always stuck with me. She said most people pray at God. And she said, mm-hmm. "You're supposed to be talking with God." That's
1: exactly right. Wow. It's not a religion relationship, and 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 religion has caused more pain and more damage and more chaos in the world. Um, and I'm talking about religions in general. Just you know, but 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 faith in a loving, living God, and by example, Jesus taught us how to love our neighbor, how to give of ourselves, how to turn the other cheek. I mean, uh, that's 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 when the joy returns to you. I don't know too many super religious people that have any joy at all. Yeah, no, I,
0: I think you're exactly right. And I'm so glad that you reinforce the message here today about the welcoming nature of your message, which is re- really Jesus's message. It's God's yes. message. I mean, Jesus was hanging out with the prostitutes. And the drunks, yes, and he was bringing the, them. The tax
1: collectors, the tax
0: yes. collectors, and I mean, if if there's a great new series out called The Chosen, and I know Rabbi yes. Sobel, who you wrote uh, The God of the Way with, he was he's a uh, spiritual consultant on The Chosen. He's the- been consultant on it right exactly mm-hmm. well what you see it's a from jewish story right exactly and what you see is that all of these people were incredibly human and they had their squabbles yeah. and they were jealous of each other but they were all they were all human they all had their faults they all had uh, y- you know, when we talk about the seven deadly sins, they were drinking, They're you know, married their prostitute. I mean, all of them had something, and Jesus went to them. He didn't run away from yes. them. He went to them, and everybody at the time is like... Rabbi, what are you doing? And he's like, they need me. <laughs> they're the ones. Yes. I, I don't go to the to the ones who are put up themselves as sacred. I go to the ones who don't feel that they're worthy of me and of the Lord and of the message. And that's what's so beautiful about you and, and the way you have talked about your faith over the
1: years. Well, a, a, a long time ago, Billy Graham, who was such, I was so honored to have Billy as a close, close friend he said, "McCarthy, the few times I did get involved with, with politics, I have regretted it. He said, I don't regret much. But he said, learn from my, don't do it. Just your, don't do it. Just keep your message that God loves you. God loves you and has a plan for your life. Because you're going to lose half your audience immediately if you get, you go, go down that road. And he said, just, just no matter what, just keep telling people that, that I love them. I love them. And I, that's a joy for me and even the people that don't agree with me or, you know, um, uh, or, you know, lots of them don't, most of them don't, but because I love them, I, um, you'll love this story. I don't know if you know this one, Monica, but I, I, uh, I was making a movie a couple of years ago that I'd written for my friend, Craig Ferguson, who's at a Scottish, brilliant, brilliant actor and, and comedian. He was the host of the late, late after Letterman show. Mm-hmm. And, um, he was just, he's a brilliant guy and I adore him. So I wrote this movie for the two of us to do. And, and he's, as I always said to him, to, and to Ricky Gervais, I said, Ricky, you're my favorite atheist in the whole world. And, and, and Craig, you're my favorite agnostic. And one day we were waiting to, to shoot a scene or something. There's a lot of downtime on movie sets. And, and, uh, and he looked at me and and, 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 uh, uh, and this was Craig, not Ricky. And, and Craig says, Kathy, why do you love me and Ricky so much? We're not good guys. We don't believe the way you believe. We don't, we don't at all. We don't vote the way you believe. Why do you love us? We're not good guys. And I went, well, who said that? Of course, you're good guys. You're wonderful guys. And I adore you. You make me laugh. You're fun. You're good people. I said, first of all, God created you in his image. And I love everybody he loves. So, so that's why I love you. And and this will break your heart, Monica. He looks at me so seriously and he goes, I got to tell you that in all our life, not one person of faith has ever told us that they lost. Oh. Wow. And I said, We've never met one. Because we if we are true followers of, of eternal God and his son and the Holy Spirit, we will it'll take all our energy to love people into the kingdom. And 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 they they won't they will be surprised by it, yes, just like. Mary Magdalene was, just like the demoniac was, just like the Samaritan woman was. Everybody that Jesus came in contact with was never the same afterwards. Yes. Jesus said to me something about a month ago that I'm still trying to process. He's once in a while. In fact, it's quite often now. He'll say something to me that will just dumbfound me. And he said, Kathy, uh, I want you to love people. And then I want you to keep loving them until you no longer recognize the person that you first met. Mm. And it just devastated me, Monica, like, Lord, I need to love people like that. Not just get them to their knees in in repentance and into salvation, but keep loving them the way Jesus does, the way their Father, God, Abba, Father loves them uh, in a way that just they keep growing. Because it's one thing to get salvation. It's a whole other thing to have, the holy spirit do a work on your heart and your mind so that you are transformed as a human being that's the daily work of the holy spirit in our lives that's the real work of the church
0: oh abs- absolutely oh i absolutely and thank you for sharing those stories wow i mean that that's that really gets to the essence of what we're talking about here and i you know i wrote down a bunch of questions for you for today kathy and one of them was how God communicates to us, because God does talk to us in all kinds of ways. And as you said, the first time you really heard him was in that movie theater. And then just last week, he's talking to you as well. I know that I I consider myself a person of strong faith, but I have a hard time sometimes hearing what God is trying to say to me. So there was one, there was one episode a couple of years ago where he was screaming at me and my ego overrode what I was hearing. And of course, I went down the wrong path, and it was a huge mistake. And I, I, was, I learned from it, but I also learned to listen when God is trying to talk to us. So my question to you is, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's gut instinct, it's a gut feeling, when actually it's really God trying to talk to us. But my question to you is, how do we know that it's God and not just indigestion <laughs> as a gut feeling, or, or worse, that the enemy is trying to confuse us?
1: Like, like he did in the garden. Remember, yes. you know, God God put us in a garden. He didn't put us in the cesspool this planet has become. He put us in a planet. And we're the ones who made it a cesspool through the centuries. But anyway, uh, that's why our hearts rejoice every time we're in a beautiful garden. We, You know, that's where that's where we were made. And that's what we were made for. And so I think our, our example has to always be, what did Jesus do to hear the, the, the voice of the Lord? Sometimes he said, go... Get in the boat, meet me on the other side, I'm gonna go into the mountains and pray. Even Jesus, who was God, uh, he was there at creation, needed time with his father alone. That's what I do in the mornings when it's so early out. It's just my favorite, favorite part of the day because there's no distractions. And when Jesus God, you know, says, be still and know that I am God. So it is work for us to be still in this crazy world we live in. We have to make the time to turn off all of the, uh, social media and make the time to turn off our, our phones and, 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 uh, just say to ourselves, no, this, this hour or this, whatever is with me and God, I need to be with my lover. You know, people who, who do, don't make love together, don't stay together very long. And I'm not joking. Don't, don't just mean sexually. You make time for one another, uh, just to be together and enjoy each other, delight. The, the Zephaniah says he delights within us. He rejoices over us with singing. Well, how many of us spend enough time to feel that way mm-hmm. in our talks with him to feel his pleasure? And that's what he wants us to feel. And that takes a, um, devotion on our part. It does. It makes. It's a commitment. You know, a, a, a person you're married to or in love with that you only see once a day for a year, you know, it's going to be very hard to keep that relationship alive. But if you make the time, even if it's just a little bit every day, just to keep the fire going. I just wrote a song the other day, said, fires die out when they aren't tended. Wounds don't heal if they aren't mended. And, and freedom dies when it's not defended. You know, it just, it, it costs something.
0: Yes, yes and keeping your eyes on the Lord. If you keep your eyes on God, then the enemy is always going to try to attack you and confuse you. But if you keep your eyes Mm -hmm. on him, you will know that it's either of the Lord or not of the Lord. And like I said, in my case, a couple of years ago, oh, in retrospect, it was not of God (laughs) what was coming at me. And uh, so you got to keep your your eyes locked on him. All right, Kathy, I've got a ton more questions for you. I want to get into both the book, which is now out. It's called The God of the Way, and the movie called The Way, which Kathy directed. It's just a gorgeous film. That is coming out in theaters tomorrow. So let's hit a quick break. More with Kathy Lee Gifford on the other side. In the meantime, guys, you know inflation is real. We're all living it every single day. The CPI is at another 40-year high. Text Monica to 989- 898 to get a free information kit on how to diversify and protect your savings with precious metals. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, Birch Gold Group is a place to go for all of your precious metal needs, including gold and silver. So text MONICA to 989 898 and get real help from Birch Gold today. Again, text Monica to 989 to claim your free no-obligation information kit on how to protect your hard-earned savings with gold. We'll be right back. All right, we are back with my dear friend, Kathy Lee Gifford, who is just such an inspiration in so many ways. She's got a brand new book out called The God of the Way, which she co-wrote with Rabbi Jason Sobel. Go get it. It is just now out. Go to Amazon, wherever books are sold, and get your copy. It's it's really an extraordinary book. And also, she's got a new movie out, which she directed. It's gorgeous. It's called The Way, and that is coming out in theaters tomorrow. Um you know, Kathy, the country and the world are pretty dark right now, so I, I do want to talk about this new book and, and film, which offers so much comfort and hope. Let's start with the book, which came out yesterday. It's called The God of the Way, and it's really meant to help people see God in a new way, isn't it?
1: Well, here it is. This is uh, the truth is, the first thing that was uh, in progress was the movie. And that I've been writing for four years and um and recording for four years and and, and going out and, and shooting and directing all over the world. Uh but in the middle of that I realized that people are gonna see this and they're gonna be uh um hopefully deeply, deeply moved by the stories of the people in the movie. And uh and the stories Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Joshua, uh, Mary, Mother of Jesus, the disciples. Uh, the Samaritan woman, the Demoniac, all these people a lot of people are are don 't know the bible and these people, these stories are foreign to them or, or the, uh, the, well the, so I started writing three and a half years ago um and I did write it, and I did put it out and it was called the God who sees and it 's an oratorio it was started it was meant to be a three minute uh uh little song about Hagar in the Old Testament, but it ended up being an 11 and a half minute little piece of theater that I added this, uh, the uh, National Symphony Orchestra on, and I had written it with my friend Nicole C. Mullen. She's so brilliant and so beautiful. I said, we're going to Israel, and I'm going to shoot you singing this thing all over Israel. So we did, and it, it's the story of Hagar and Ruth and uh, David hiding from King Saul and, um, and Mary Magdalene at the cross and at the tomb and it just, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, she went off on ministry to, to, to uh, really, to Africa. <laughs> and I went back to ministry in, uh, at the Today Show. And the song was not finished at all. And I said, I'll finish it while you're gone. You know, it'll take me a day or so. Well, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it became uh, a piece of theater that I released, uh, and then a film, which I released on the day I left the Today Show. And it's been seen by about 10 million people now. And the, the stories that um, if you go on YouTube and you watch The God Who Sees, just just check out what the comments are from people afterwards. To this day, they are comments like, I was going to kill myself today. And then I, I stumbled, <laughs> in quotes, mm. on this piece. And, and, or someone told me about it or whatever. And I realize now that God sees me. And, and I've, I've asked him into my heart or my mother was dying last week in hospice and I showed it to her. She asked Jesus into her heart. I've been praying for her for 30 years, you know, st- stories like that. That's how anointed the, the first orio, uh, oratorio was. So I said, I've got to write more. I've got to write. I've got, if, if, if these kinds of stories are going to have this kind of impact then I'm going to write about Abraham and Sarah. I'm going to write about everybody because I'll die writing these things. There's so many unbelievable epic stories to tell in the Bible. And so that's what the, the movie is. It's four oratorios, the God of the how and when, the God of his word, the God who sees, and the God of the other side. And I wrote them. Every word of it. But I, I wrote the music with, with different composer friends of mine. I like to mix it up. I like to study with different rabbis. I like to write songs with different composers. I like to I like to grow. I like to collaborate because that's what God does as creator. He collaborates with us. We are co-creators with him. And I, I think I'm at my most joyful. In fact, I know I am. Well, now I have a godson. I mean, a great a, a, a grandson. Who is sent from God? So, in a sense, he's he's both, and so I'm I'm experiencing new, different kind of heavenly experience with him. Mm-hmm. But 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 in a creative way, nothing nothing comes close to this work that I've done in this movie the way. And I'm already writing the new ones because but, but it takes a lot of money. I had to pay for the whole thing. Nobody could, nobody could sort of understand what this kind of a movie looked like. I was trying to raise money for it and well-meaning, lovely people said, but I don't, what is it? And I said, well, it and I try to explain it. And uh, I think now when this film comes out, they're going to say, oh, oh, okay. She's saying she, she's taking these ancient stories. She's rewriting them, not changing the essence of them at all and staying true to the scripture through every bit of it, but she's setting them, many of them in modern day environments or she's Doing it in an ancient way, but but I've never seen scenery like this in my life. I mean, it's it's just it just turned out, uh, it, and and I was I'm shocked. I'm the most surprised because I didn't want to shoot anywhere but Israel, because Israel is my favorite place on the planet. And and the, and my creative director, brilliant man, said, Kathy, wait till you see these pictures I have found on the internet of other places we can go to shoot during COVID." And so we shot in Utah. We shot in Texas. We shot in Tennessee. In fact, I have a modern day telling, retelling of the the Prodigal Son, with the most amazing cast. I have BB Wynans playing the father and the amazing biggest star in country music right now, Jimmy Allen, playing the the, uh, the prodigal and my dear friend Claude Kelly, who's part of half of um, Lewis York and he, we wrote the song together. He plays the middle son, the good son, so to speak, who stayed behind and and served his father. So, I mean, I mean, shot it in a little farm, one mile from where my house is. And so, it, you know, and a little, and a little, uh, vineyard, just about a mile, uh, about an hour away from me in, in Tennessee. So, I mean, it was constantly finding the right place, writing with the right people, uh, finding the exact, uh, lyric. I, I do all the lyrics and, and, um, they just—that's just the quiet. My quiet time is spent mostly writing lyrics. Some, uh, the, Claude and, and Louis York did did contribute some of that, but most of the time, and so does um, uh, Nicole. But usually, that's that's my job—is is is, um, is uh, the lyrics, and then I collaborate on the music. And then we got two of the most amazing orchestrators that are working today, and it, you feel like you're watching uh, Ben Hur or something. It's it's a sixty-five piece orchestra. They all play for the National Symphony. And um, it's just, it's, it's, I could just pinch myself, Monica, this is what I was born to do. Yes. And everybody was, how could you leave your dream jobs twice? Once with Regis, once I said, you're just assuming it was my dream job. No, I was grateful for those jobs. And I loved my co-hosts and I still do. I miss Regis, but I saw Hoda just the other day. We're still great friends. No, no, no. This is what I was born for.
0: Yes, and this is why God gave you the television platforms so that you could do this and reach ever more people, Kathy. That's exactly what this is. And I've got to say, this film is absolutely spectacular, and knowing that you were basically I know. I know you collaborated with a lot of people, but this movie is your baby, your your yes. faith baby, and it it is yes. it's all you. I mean, you're just your your heart for the Lord comes through every scene in this movie, every lyric, every every bit of music that you hear. It's it's you, but it's it's actually God and Jesus
1: speaking through you on oh, the screen. It, it's all the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You know, um, this this kind of work is so hard. I can't do it without the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And then I can't do it by the strength of the Holy Spirit, you know, and, 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 and I don't want to. Right. The, the joy of my life is my, is, is the lover of my soul, Jesus, Yeshua. And I, I'm so excited. I'm going to Israel. You and, and Billy were going to come, be able to come with us. We were hoping there'll be another trip. I haven't been wait. able to go back to Israel since COVID. So in September, when we've, when all of this has been launched and birthed, uh, I'll go back when we start work on the Second Rock Road and rabbi uh, book. So it never ends, and I don't. And I, you know, people say, "When I thought you were going to retire, and I just laugh and I go, "Nobody in the Bible ever retires. <laughs> Everybody dies doing what God put them on." The earth to
0: do. <laughs> a- Abraham, Noah, Methuselah, yeah, you got a long road yeah, ahead of
1: don't you, know, Kathy. Some we don't know. Elijah, Elijah went up in a chariot. Enoch, yeah. we don't know, and. uh, and, and 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 the apostle john the disciple john was last seen on an island in patmos writing the Revol- revelation so yep and <laughs> but for the most part we just die doing what we're supposed to do.
0: absolutely and a lot of these biblical characters live past 100 so you've got a long road to go kathy um oh. tell us about the the companion piece to the way which is the book called the god of the way
1: right everything you see in the movie we go into depth 10 times deeper than the film. It's really a companion study guide. Although we have actual um, videos coming out in October of, of every one of the oratorios as well. We just want people to, first of all, I want them to be deeply moved by the movie, deeply moved in their soul. Then I want them to be um, curious about their own faith, about their walk with God, if they even have one, if they, if they lukewarm if, I hope it lights a fire in them to get to go deeper. The book is is designed um, to teach us why Abraham and Sarah were who they were, where they came from, what their story was, what they had to go through. It's 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 like uh, uh, the, the the oratorio is a sketch, and then the rest is like a full fledged oh um, uh, 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 um, gosh um, painting. In all the colors and all the details that you cannot tell in a song. You can only, you know, a song is, is, a, is artistry, it's poetry brought to music. And, and that, can't, that only tells the, the essence of a, of a story, but not the details. And if you want to grow in your faith, it, the, the details are unbelievably mm. uh, transformative.
0: Just incredible. Well, both the book and the film really make you see God, see Jesus in a whole new way, in a way that's completely accessible. And because God and Jesus are eternal, of course, it all seems so modern too at the same time. So everybody can really grasp this and the relevancy of the message to your life and to the life- we're leading in America right now and in the world. It's just, it, it's
1: so great, Kathy. And I'm so proud of you. Oh, honey, thank you so much. I'm, I'm just, I'm just grateful. I'm great. Pride comes before the fall, I know, and I've fallen so many times.
0: All of us, all of us I'm do. Just gonna be
1: grateful. <laughs> well, but Kathy, I love you, I love you, and thank you so much for having me today, sweetie. We need a, uh, um, some time together again, like we just had in Nashville a couple months ago. That was so much fun.
0: Absolutely, and I cannot wait for that and to give you a big squeeze in person. And and I'm just, I'm so proud of you. You're such an inspiration, and you're such a beacon of hope for so many. Um, because of the many talents God gave you, but the biggest of them all is your heart for God, which just shines through everything you do and touches so many people. You are a shepherdess for the Lord, my friend. You
1: truly are. Oh. You truly are. Well, I'm honored. I'm honored and privileged. Thank you, honey. I love you.
0: Well, I love you too. Right back at you, my sister. Thank you so much for being here and God bless. Kathy Lee Gifford, the uh, book the book is called The God of the Way and the film is called The Way. The book is out right now. Go to Amazon or wherever you get your books and go get it. And also please go see the film starting tomorrow. You know what, guys? We talk a lot on this show about the need to change the culture and that one of the ways to do it is to support books and films like Kathy Lee Giffords to send a signal that this is the content we want and the content we support with our wallets. So if you want to make a difference and you guys are always emailing me, how do we go about this? Here is a big opportunity. Go get the book, The God of the Way on Amazon, wherever you get your books. Also, go see The Way in theaters because it will really move you spiritually and emotionally and everywhere else, but it will also move the needle in the culture too. I'm Monica Crowley, back in a flash. What a show today, guys, right? Just blockbuster Monica Crowley podcast, as all of our shows are, but today's in particular was... Chef's Kiss. Time now for the midweek email bag. Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com is our address. Today we've got two listeners writing in about our complaint department. David writes Hi, Monica. Love the section on pet peeves. What a great vehicle for describing the overall degradation of society that we are living through. Keep them coming. It's a great way to have some fun and to strike a blow for the return of civility. One of my pet peeves, he says, is the sprinkling of speech with the word right used at the end of sentences when the speaker wants to drive home a point. It's a passive aggressive manipulation. I don't know if the preceding point is correct or not. I haven't had time to hear the full argument or to do other research. And then the speaker goes on to the next sentence. Unless I interrupt the speaker and say, well, no, I don't know if that's right. My acquiescence has been forced out of me. Monica, I am not afraid to stand up for what's right. Hey, you kids, get off my lawn. Could be the next. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Indeed. Best regards, David. Well, David, thank you so much. This email from you really made me laugh. I totally agree with you about the addition of right to the end of sentences, which, as you say, forces tacit agreement when there might not be any. Although I have got to tell you, David, uh, that I am pretty much guilty of this (laughs) myself. And if you listen to this podcast, you'll hear me do that on occasion, right? See, like I just did. (laughs) It also calls to mind one of my favorite scenes from the classic movie, Mean Girls, when Lindsay Lohan's character, Katie, is about to host a party and she comes down the stairs wearing this fierce little dress and her friends say, wow, you look amazing. And she goes, I know, right? (laughs) I know, right? So, so good. Classic movie. And I know, right? Andy writes, thanks for the scolding about not replying to emails in a timely manner. I needed that since I'm a major offender. Love your no-nonsense factual show. Well, thank you so much, Andy. And yes, getting back to people in a timely manner is common courtesy and the elegant thing to do. And we all want to be elegant. I know, right? That's going to do it for me today. Have a great rest of your week. I'm going to see you right back here on Friday with the latest polls in key Senate and gubernatorial races. Not to be missed. Also, we will take apart tomorrow night's primetime address, from the hair sniffing weirdo where he's going to call all of us domestic terrorists. We have that to look forward to. I will see you right back here on Friday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need.